0: Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast. It's episode 137 and we're coming at you between Christmas and New Year's. I hope you two-footed all your nephews and won every aerial duel against your elderly nan in the backyard kickabout. It's been a struggle, but we've managed to find a little time slot to sit down and record this week. Uh, no Tommy, he's having a well-earned break, but Cooper is here so we can break down a Night Shift derby that was played between Liverpool and Arsenal, plus a bunch of other games. How you doing, man? Good, Sammy. Good. It's a bit of, bit of late afternoon shift football this week. It's it's very different. Yeah. We are, of course, we're recording on a Tuesday after uh, Wednesday afternoon. I'm losing track of the days, as you always do this time of year. On a Wednesday afternoon, we didn't want to do the late night one this week because we're off to Melbourne tomorrow, aren't we? We are. Uh, yeah. Nice, away. nice early start in the car. We're Melbourne away. Adelaide away trip. Yep. Big one for us. <laughs> Adelaide away. I do it every <laughs> week. Ridiculous. See, my brain's not working. Uh, Melbourne away. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, so, yeah, afternoon recording feels a bit weird. We couldn't get Tommy. He's he's busy. Uh, I said he's having a break. He's actually at work, but he's having a break from the pod. Um, first thing I want to ask you about this week, though, Man City Club World Cup champions. Do you care? Not at all. Excellent. I'll move on to another pointless competition then, the AFL Cup. Um, as a Liverpool fan right now through to a semi-final, how do you feel about this competition? Um. It's one of those ones that teams seem to just not care about and if they
1: fall their way into a quarterfinal-ish stage, then they'll try and win it, especially more so for the big clubs. Um, You made a good point talking to one of our mates that's a West Ham supporter last night in a group chat how he said that he felt like they'd played a lot of games in December, even though they were scattered. And you'd said it probably doesn't help that you went so far into the cup.
0: Yep. Um, We mentioned it earlier in the season, I think, but it's one of those competitions where, like, you either you either want to get all the way and win it, or you want to go out early. Like I'd rather go out early than get through to this quarterfinal semi stage and then lose it. Um, we've got in the semi finals coming up in January: Middlesbrough, Chelsea, and Liverpool, Fulham. And to make it worse, they are both uh, they're two legged semi finals still in this competition. What the hell?
1: Yeah, it's so grim. I don't even watch one of one even even want to watch one of them. Rather, let alone two of them. Um, But I think it's, I just wonder if we get to a point in this competition where it's like the big clubs start going, okay, it's probably a piece of silverware we should have a crack at when City go out. Obviously, Newcastle got rid of City in the round before this. And then you would have thought going into this that Newcastle, Chelsea, Liverpool, and even potentially West Ham all thought they were a good opportunity of some, some early season
0: silverware. Yeah. Where do you fall on the, um I've heard some people make the argument that like, the League Cup can be a kind of a starting point for you if you're, you know, like Man City when they were coming through and they eventually got their League Cup was like one of their first ones. And then they were able to use that as a stepping stone. What do you, is that a valid argument for trying to win this competition if you're a if you're a Chelsea right now? Or if you were a like, is it something that maybe Man United should look to go out and win next season or something like that? Can it can it help? Didn't it, they won it last season, didn't they, Man United? Um
1: you're testing me here.
0: Um, they, when it, they,
1: they may have Um I can't even
0: remember anymore
1: I, I can't remember if Liverpool's League Cup win was last year or the year before beat Chelsea on penalties in a final but see that's how little I care about this co- tournament yeah um, <laughs> I think the point you make is it's got a little bit of validity to it Um, I think the team I looked at in in that sense was Newcastle as whereas well this might have been a real you know Chelsea in a quarterfinal and then the draw's gone on to show they would have played Middlesbrough in in a two-legged semi-final, a chance to go to Wembley and get probably their first, well, what is their first piece of silverware under this new ownership and in, in this new era? And it might've been a nice stepping stone starting point for them. And I think they'll be the most disappointed club to have gone out of this tournament.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was Manch- Manchester United last year. They won at 2 against Newcastle. Uh, so that maybe puts to bed that, that kind of argument that it could be a stepping stone, I guess. Maybe it's got to do with your club culture and everything as well. But uh, a, a competition that I just find it strange that it goes so long as well. Why are we going into like mid to late January with this thing? Well, it, even longer, because the semi-finals are scheduled to be, the second legs are on the 23rd and 24th of January. So you're not getting a final till sometime in February, I'd assume. Um, it's, it's bonkers with the amount of football that, we play at the moment. We talked the other week about the amount of football going on and all the different competitions that teams are being required to play in, and this one is just crazy. Uh, maybe I think we floated the idea before of it being like an under-21 for the big clubs, and then maybe it's a competition that you league one, league two sides. We saw, we saw Port Vale get all the way through to a quarter final against Borough, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, especially for for Liverpool and Chelsea. With obviously they've got Liverpool have Mo Salah that we've spoken about before, but Chelsea seem to have a few African players running through their lineup too. And they're going to lose these players for these um, potentially first leg, depending on when they do depart for the tournament. But it's definitely second leg of these semi finals to Afcon. So so there's an opportunity for the the, um, Fulhams and, and the Middlesbroughs here to potentially
0: play Chelsea and Liverpool not at full strength. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like Liverpool we'll get to Liverpool Arsenal later but it, it ended up being a bit of an opportunity I think Liverpool and West Ham were kind of, Liverpool more so had to play a stronger side because of injuries but F- West Ham were looked at it as a bit of a chance to rest some players maybe, maybe they were also forced into it due to the amount of fixtures they've been playing so they had a few out and it, it looked like it might have played Liverpool into a little bit of form to get that back but we'll We'll get to those Premier League games shortly. Um, let's let's go back now. Actually, it seems like it's been forever since the last game round because there's so much happening. But we got to go all the way back to Palace v Brighton. That was one one on the what was that the Friday the twenty second. Yep. Friday the 22nd. of December. December. It feels like forever ago, and it was only five days. <laughs> but there we go. Uh, and then Saturday the twenty third, Villa one, Sheffield one. But the game we're going to talk about first is West Ham 2, Man United 0. In my notes here, I've got this down as probably the worst game of football I've seen this season. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Um, This was a very hard
1: watch for the general fan and an even harder watch if you were chasing over 2.5 goals. Um, Mm. Just utterly boring football. And I think it was just a matter of... United not being able to break down West Ham because they don't quite have that cutting edge and they're not quite good enough. And West Ham doing the the West Ham thing that we've spoken about of just sitting back and waiting and waiting. And and they got their just desserts in the end, I suppose, with a couple of quick goals,
0: but wasn't wasn't a good one for the neutral. Yeah. I remember, I can't remember if it was you or someone else shared in a group chat a stat about the number of goals scored in the early kickoffs on the Saturday night this season. And they were pretty low numbers. Not that you need goals for it to be exciting football, but this this didn't look like either team were going to score. And it looked like both, like FA Cup final vibes where both teams are kind of too scared to let the other score. And they're both desperately looking for a result. In the end, just United, just not enough hunger or desire to win it. And Jared Bowen pops up having the season of his life. And who got the second one? Kudus, your mate. Yeah, Mohamed Kudus, he's been really good for them. Um, Lucas
1: Pakitar, essentially two assists, only credited with one, but essentially two assists and was the pick of the bunch on the park. Um, he's been brilliant. Yeah, he's been really good. He looked at cut above, especially in
0: this game, given how poor the quality was. Yeah, definitely. I'm so happy to see Kudus out there as well, lighting it up. Like, I've, the Antonio thing's done, surely. I know he's out injured, but surely you can't go from Kudus back to this guy.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not sure whether we will see Antonio again during AFCON. um, West Ham are likely to lose Mohamed Kudus for a month during AFCON. So they might have to go back to Antonio or, or try and give Ben Rama or Four Niles a little bit more football. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what they do. They've still got Danny Ings as well. We we spoke about big Danny Ings fans of old, yeah, whether he's past it or not. But I think he's still got Premier League goals in him if if he's given the
0: chance. He has to. If Chris Wood does, then surely Danny Ings does. That's, he's got to. Um. Other games that night, Fulham 0, Burnley 2. We'll talk about Fulham in a bit. Luton 1, Newcastle 0. We'll talk about both of those sides in a bit because there has been another game day for them. Uh, now, Forest 2, Bournemouth 3. This is the one that caught my eye the most last week because of what I think has been the most heinous refereeing decision this season. The Bolly red card. Or oh, I know it was given as a second yellow, but is it even a foul, let alone a card? to me there's a foul in this situation
1: but i actually think that bolly is the player that's fouled i think that he's not slid in recklessly at all he gets to the ball first and then he's actually trodden on yeah um and i'm just
0: you can see him keeping his feet down to like his studs down too it's really it's a
1: it's a textbook slide tackle it's it's perfect for me and i just yeah it's absolutely horrid refereeing and i'm not tell me if i'm wrong here but obviously second yellow i'm not convinced var
0: can get involved so they can't they can't get involved um do you think like if it was a straight red are they getting involved and then overturning it they have to. yeah if, if that's given as a straight red it's being overturned
1: um yeah i don't i don't know if that's a situation where we need to to get to a point that if a second yellow card is given that var can step in but then i know there's obviously the argument that what if the first yellow card was the controversial one? So yeah, I, I just I just think it's poor refereeing. It, it's really just a mistake it's on Robert Jones's behalf. I don't think I've seen. Has there been one that bad this year? Is that the worst we've had in terms of cards? It's the worst decision we've had. The worst, Socking. especially it, it is a ref out on his own and he's got hasn't got the support of VAR or whatever. But his assistant has a pretty good view of it too. And and there needs to be two Premier League officials there. There needs to be good enough communication for them to work out that that just wasn't a foul, let alone a 2nd yellow like card.
0: You could see him clearly winning the ball and booting it away. Like, I don't understand what the referee is doing there. The big concern for me is we have, um, you know, there's like 10 guys a week doing a Premier League game. So we always talk about the, the Premier League is on this big pedestal as like being the top league in the world, and there's 10 guys each week that referee games. And you would think these guys are the best, and I don't know what – you could see in that that would make you honestly think that it could possibly be a foul or a card in any way. Um as, That's just highly concerning. What are referees watching that we're not?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Outside of the refereeing decision, this was a good game of football. It was a um, great game. Our boy Dom Solanke, one of, one of two players to have scored four goals in the Premier League since our last recording. And the other man is... <laughs> Also in this game, Chris Wood got
0: himself a goal in this one. Also got himself a goal and an assist for Alanga. Uh, yeah. Forrest, I would say, pretty unlucky here. I'd, I'd say the Red has cost them because, yeah. you know, they're, they're, what is it, 23rd minute, the red card. They go on to play like 70 minutes with 10 men. Uh, they do go 1 0 up at the start of the second half. They're still, uh, the goals they concede. Uh, just, just their defending is just not quite up to scratch and not good enough. But they've shown that they can create enough on the counter. But Dom Solanke is just in the form of his life. And this Bournemouth side are in in pretty hot form as well. So,
1: Yeah, I think they've been pretty good. Um, Forest will be disappointed, though. They're going to see this as at least a point drop in, in this situation, given they were competitive for the entire game at home with
0: 10 men for a majority. Yeah, definitely. Um, Spurs 2, Everton 1. Um, My only note I've got here is that Spurs probably needed the win and for Everton, they wouldn't be too upset. They've been on a pretty good run of form. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, though, he's had a real ordinary season. He got a nice kind of striker's goal to get them back in the game only for it to be chalked off uh, for offside. So uh, that was just a nice little break in the line, finishing across the keeper. But he's had a honking season. He probably needed that one. They did get back in the game later, but uh, job done for Spurs. Pretty professional again.
1: Yeah, agree. I think Everton missed Abdullah Kore. We've spoken on this pod, yeah. how important he's been, not just to Everton, but to Dom Calvert-Lewin as well this season. Um, and Spurs will just be, they'll be rubbing their hands together with the form that Richarlison's got in, got himself into um, another goal in this game. Um, and all, me- all three members of their front three with score involvement.
0: So, Ange going to be smiling ear to ear seeing that. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the big one here. A night shift derby. We only have it's only us two that have night shift derbies now with Leeds getting relegated. Thank fuck. Um a top of the table clash two, which is which is exciting. It's not City involved, it's Arsenal, it's Liverpool. Um a one all draw at Anfield. I went into this, I don't know about you, but I went into this kind of with the if you listen, anyone listens to our red editions about Adelaide United, we often go into a game just saying just don't lose, and that's the way I went into this one at Anfield. I thought if Arsenal can go there and not lose, uh, job done. They rode their luck at times, but I uh, they, they were worth their point at some at some stages. What are you what were your thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, I don't think either team. Um, I got them feel hard done by by the draw. Um, both had their chances. Obviously, that the one that stands out is that Liverpool. Four or five on one the at the end where, where the Arsenal supporters of the universe Are pretending
0: like <laughs> Declan Rice Actually had um, any effect on that play whatsoever I'm actually, I'm all for this I'm all in on this I sent a meme to you last night I think it was like an added ass I was not even a meme It was just someone doing one of those inspirational quotes And it's a wall of Liverpool players Running at Declan Rice And I'm all for it Let's pretend that Declan Rice Did some heroic Maldani-esque defending That saved the day <laughs> um yeah, I don't know if you saw the
1: the Arsenal Instagram or the, the Gunners, which is the like the official supporters Twitter account uh for Arsenal on Twitter and it's like Declan Rice thank you is, yeah. is the still image of it. And then um the Liverpool alternative of this account posted Nelson Tomato, thank you, with a still image of Nelson Tomato fifteen meters behind Raheem Sterling deciding not to square a ball <laughs> to to his teammate. Yeah. Um it's a
0: similar equivalent. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think Liverpool will be slightly disappointed. I think when you're in a title race and you're playing top of the table clashes, knowing that you'll get you'll get two cracks at Arsenal this season, you want three points out of the one at Anfield. So I think Arsenal yeah. are gonna they're gonna be going away with this. Going, yeah, we're pretty happy with the point here, and we'll, we'll try and pick three up against them at the Emirates. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in terms of the head to head matchup for the season, Arsenal will now feel like they have the advantage. Um, I think the the bigger moment in this game that has obviously been spoken about was the Martin Odegaard handball. Yeah. Um. So early in the game, though, I think Liverpool will feel hard done by that they didn't have a penalty there, and and I believe they probably should have. Um. But you know, too early they, to
0: say whether it's cost a result or not. Well,
1: not only too early, but no one knows if you know Mo Salah's is going to step up and, and score the penalty. We don't know what the outcome of that is. So you can you can be bitter that the penalty wasn't given, but you you can't say that that's what's cost Liverpool this game when when we've burnt the chances that we had in the second half.
0: Are we in a grants that it is a pen?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I mean, I am. I'm not sure what your thoughts on it are. Yeah, I think it is a
0: pen, but I am also still so unsure of what is and isn't constituting a handball, especially when we start adding words like deliberate in and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we've talked about the frustration in the past of goals that get chalked off for innocuous touches to the hand. We saw the one that went against, was it Liveramento in the Champions League for Newcastle against PSG? We saw that given, but I think that's that's an example of it being Think, horribly um, given, and this is one of it being given the opposite way. I think the best description I've actually heard of
1: this, and this is a night shift sin because we cannot stand this guy, uh, but Dermot Gallagher was on oh, no. this one. and. He, the way he said, he would say, I would say my first reaction was that he has fallen and slipped and his arm has touched the floor, which is mm. what he thinks that the ref's initial reaction is. But he clearly does not. He slips. Does a slip negate an offence? No, it does not. Does he move his arm towards the ball? So supposedly the argument from VAR is this to not being a penalty is that Martin Odegaard makes his body smaller. So although his arm's in an unnatural position, his arm coming back towards his body is making his body smaller rather than extending the shape of his body. I, f- I find that to be a... handball.
0: Sh- a super um, strange interpretation
1: yeah i think so too but but gallagher said here but by making his body smaller he actually traps the ball in between his hand and his body yeah and takes it away from Sulla, who has by has definitely gone around the outside of erdegaard here he's off balance yeah. and, and he's round the outside of him and, and he's going to have a look at goal so i just i just think it's it's one of those ones where i think that officials are getting too technical and they need to just be able to realize that this guy is going pretty well clean through on goal if if there isn't an offense in the way. So
0: it needs to be a penalty. Yeah. uh, That's, that's not a bad point, actually. Like I feel like with so many of these handballs, we're getting bogged down in technicalities, but I think so much of the time, especially as fans, when you're watching, you get a feeling straight away for like, Oh, that's like, that's a pen or Oh no, you can't give that. And why don't we just go with that vibe? I'm I'm calling for vibe-based handball penalty checks. Well, I, th- I think you just you know, and this is this is going to be jumping ahead, but
1: last night in the Liverpool Burnley game, Cody Gakpo scored a goal and it was disallowed because Darwin Nunez had fouled a Burnley defender inside the box during the build-up. Yeah. Um. And and what's happened is you can see on the replay, you can actually see that there is. Very, very minimal, possibly even no contact from Nunez onto the defender. The defender just miskicks the ball, slips over, falls to Gakpo, who scores. And the defender gets up, turns around, sees the ball in the hair and just puts his head in his hands because he just knows that he's fucked up. Yeah. During the halftime show, Michael Owen and Paul Scholes are talking about it and they say this defender's reaction is a dead giveaway that he wasn't fouled in this situation, because if he was fouled and he'd seen a goal given, he would have been running to the referee going, I was fouled. I was fouled. I was fouled. But he put his head in his hands because he knew he fucked up, but we can see those things. And that vibe is there from the players, but we're going on VAR on cameras and trying to see if there's a tiny, tiny, tiny little flick of a a shirt that brings a guy down.
0: It's real. Like uh, we spend so much time, I guess that's the way refereeing is looking at the little intricacies and technicalities of, contact and how it's made and things like that but it feels like the handball i feel like we just have it so complicated we could make it so easy if you just vibe it you know i feel like we'd all just get it right most of the time or let fans in the stadium vote i don't know let's come up with something um other than that though i don't we spent a bit of time on the refereeing there but this was actually a really good game of football with two tight two sides that were genuinely uh i Mostly defensively solid, but also still going out to try and score goals and attack, which is the way we want to see it played. I think that's the way both these teams do want to play most of the time. Um, Simikas went down. Uh, He's gone. Him and Robertson both injured now. What are Liverpool's plans at left back? And do you agree with all the nut jobs saying that Bukayo Saka should have been sent off for this? No, this isn't isn't a sending off offence. I think this is
1: another one we're talking about that would have been a stupid decision from an official if he'd given it. And I think it's just people getting caught up in the moment of a, a game that they feel that Liverpool should have won, and they're and they're looking for yeah. a reason that they didn't that that isn't necessarily with the chances that were missed on the park. Um, for Liverpool Joe Gomez is such an underrated player to have because he can play across any of the three slots in the back four obviously he's not a first choice defender in any of those slots for us but he's just he's such an effort player and he works so hard and, he, and he's so quality across those three spots and and he was excellent for Liverpool left back last night against Burnley so so I think he would be well good enough to do a
0: job for them until Robertson's available who was that sorry I missed that who Joe you? Gomez oh Joe Gomez Yeah pretty versatile He's the the liverpool tommy Yasu, i think i called him the other week on the pod can play left right or center across that back four um my other note here on this game was uh, more from an arsenal perspective but again we just these are the sort of games in the past you'd be skeptical and you go into expecting to be blown away uh, a game at anfield but this arsenal side just doesn't get bullied anymore i don't think they 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 they're pretty tough Saliba and gabriel they've built a defence there that's a defensive partnership it is probably uh, could you call them the best centre-back pairing in the league at the moment is that too far yeah,
1: I think I think they're close to it um, I think there's a there's obviously a couple of good ones we've spoken about how sceptical we are about how actually genuinely solid City are at the back and then in terms of I mean you've got Liverpool with Van Dijk and Canate but Kanate isn't consistently enough on the pitch yep. to rival this Arsenal centre-back combo and I think you know it looked like at the start of the year that Arteta had potentially gone away from it a little bit but They've yep. come back to it and
0: it's, it's been very good. They've got that confidence and uh, I guess, cause they're just starting next to each other the whole time. They seem to both be on the same wavelength all the time, which is just super important at centre back. And then obviously they've got Declan Rice in front of them. Still a few weaknesses at fullback. I think this side Zinchenko is pretty um, defensively susceptible and so is Ben White at times, but other times he's not. Um, but they're just going about their thing, doing their job top at Christmas. Uh, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Um, Moving on to the next game, this is a Christmas Eve game for you. Chelsea v. Wolves. I don't know if you're watching this one. I know you went away, but I just saw this as Chelsea complete dominance in the first half and they just could not score. And Raheem Sterling, I'm sure we've all seen the incident where he wins the ball and runs off and he's got a paddock. All he has to do is square it for a certain tap-in. He doesn't, goes himself and it's saved. Um, Sterling was simultaneously their best player on the pitch by a long way and their worst player because of that moment. He has for a long time, I even remember a young Raheem Sterling at
1: Liverpool thinking that the one thing that he needed to improve chronically to be one of the best players in the Premier League for a long time was his end product. And I think potentially why he, he has been a very good Premier League player for a significant period of time and he's very underrated. He scores Um, goals. I just believe that the reason that he never went to that top, top echelon of Premier League footballers is because his end product and his decision-making didn't improve to the threshold that it needed to get to. Yeah. And yeah, I just I think this is a prime example of
0: that. Yeah, I think we can all see it there. We know he's got it. the skills in there. Um, he's scored plenty of goals in his career, but just for whatever reason, just not working there. I don't know how, like just square it. It's three on, three onto a keeper simply square it to a tap-in and an open, open net. Uh, they don't take that chance. And then they come out after, from, from about that point on, the tables just turned and Wolves were much the better side, I thought, from that point out. Even though Chelsea still had long spells of possession, Wolves looked fairly comfortable at the back until the the chaos of the last 10 minutes and into stoppage time where uh, Doherty put Wolves 2-0 up and then Nkunku got one back in the 96th just to make it nervy for the whole 11 minutes of extra time that were played.
1: Yeah, Chelsea will be happy to see Christopher Nkunku get himself a goal and they'll be hoping that there's, there's minutes and goals to come from him because they're desperate for a, a reliable consistent source of scoring they, are, they just yeah. have they just haven't had it this season and and for a club that wants to compete for european slots you need that one guy that you can rely on to just just find a goal when the going gets tough and and they haven't got
0: one yeah i was hyped for Nkunku getting that goal you know i've been waiting for him to come along for chelsea in the in the premier league for a while it's just a shame it is with chelsea but it is what it is. We're going through this team the other night, and some of these guys just that they've got out there. Sassi, Coleweld, no good. Gusto, uh, I don't know. Gusto, yay nay. I'm it's not no. convinced. Yeah. No, um, obviously only playing because Reece James is out. But and you know we've been over their their injury problems time and time again. But some of these other guys just simply aren't up to scratch. I don't know how you can go into a game with a Amando Breuer as your starting striker at, as Chelsea Football Club right now?
1: Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, and I'm not sure whether we spoke about at the start of the season that Cole Palmer for £40 million pounds is a weird signing. Um, and, and he has been quite good for Chelsea. But I just wonder whether it's a matter of Cole Palmer being good for Chelsea or everyone else around him being not so good. And mm. whether essentially once they start, if they if this team clicks and they do get going and, and they bring in a couple better players and, and Kunku's fit and, and everyone they have is fit, Once they get rolling, is Palmer going to get lost in that? And we're going to see how bad
0: Chelsea really were throughout this period. Yeah, mate, I don't know. I think Palmer's got it. He's got it in there. His decision-making sometimes a bit rash, and he's he's trying to do a bit too much at times. I don't know if that's because of the players that are out on the park with him, and you look at the rest of that midfield and stuff. Um, Gallagher has, I don't know what the deal is with Conor Gallagher because he was excellent for Palace last season. I was a big fan, and he just has looked shocking.
1: Yeah, well, this guy was touted to be leaving Chelsea in the summer. They they didn't want him. They didn't feel they needed him. And now he's come in and worn the armband for a majority of the season. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not convinced that he's up to the level of being a, a top four to six Premier League midfielder. And Chelsea might not be there now, but that's where they're trying to go. And, yeah. and he's he's probably not the guy for the job.
0: Yeah. Um. Overall, I think they're just their own worst enemies in this game because – Wolves were, Wolves could have been long gone in that first half if they just if Chelsea had just taken their chances. Some of the chances that Sterling put a couple on a platter for Nicholas Jackson, and he, for whatever reason, is a professional footballer who would rather try and control the ball with the outside of his right foot coming across him than just use his left just to simply take a touch or hit a ball. I don't, I don't quite get it. There was another chance he had um on his left foot where he just had to shoot had the the whole goal there with just the keeper and he decided to cut back and he he messed it up he got tackled and i don't know i don't think this guy's all that good to be honest and i'm not not convinced he's the quality that chelsea are looking for either um that's all i've got for chelsea i just want to add we're at the um adelaide united game last friday night against newcastle we'll record a red edition about that um I was talking to a Chelsea fan, a friend of ours, who said um, he tuned into the pod once and he listened to 10 minutes and then he decided that it wasn't going to be a pod for him because um, you're a Liverpool fan, I'm an Arsenal fan and Tom's a Leeds fan. So uh, what what are we going to say about Chelsea that's good? Um, and at the moment, my counter-argument would be, what what are we meant to say about Chelsea that is good at the moment? We can't, Yeah. you know, there's nothing to pump up about him. We'll see if what it, happens when they get these if- players back.
1: Any club in this league wants to give me positive things to say about them, I'll say except
0: maybe Luton. But Chelsea have just <laughs> Chelsea haven't provided us with that opportunity. Well, trust me, we'll give them the credit when they earn it. But at the moment, they they are not giving us the chance to to give it to them. All right, let's get into the post Christmas games, the Boxing Day fixtures. There were some crackers. It was a great night of football. I'm pretty tired. I've stayed up all night watching these. Um Newcastle won Forest three. Forest, I don't think we're good. They like, were not good. Uh, Newcastle just playing this ridiculously high line, but they, but with no one moving, like they're just kind of set up really high up the pitch. There's no one pressuring Forest's defenders. They've got the ball at their feet, and that just allowed them to crack in behind. I it baffles me because when you consider how dangerous um, Elanga looked on the counter attack in the first half, that they would just sit that high, and in the end, it wasn't even Elanga that caused the problems in the second half. It was Chris Wood.
1: Yeah, it was Chris Wood. Um, Newcastle are going to be so disappointed with this. Um, they went 1-0 up pretty early, 23 minutes in through an ISAC penalty. In but control. They, yeah, they they dominated up until this point. And, and once this goal went in, I think we thought it was going to be cruise control to the 90. They'd get maybe yep. two or three, and and Forrest wouldn't give them too much to worry about. Um, and and you said, watching live, that the only enemy that Newcastle could have during this one was themselves, and that's exactly what occurred. Um, props to Chris Wood for finishing the way he did He scored, yeah, scored three goals And there was two really good finishes in there Especially that second goal He took the such a well-played advantage from Chris Kavanagh um, We'll give him a little bit of credit there We'll rag on refs as much as we can But this goal only happened because he made the decision To not give the foul at the time yep. um, But no, a really good goal A couple of really good finishes But Newcastle are going to be bitterly disappointed with this
0: one they will be, and it just adds on to a bad week for them as well. Going away to Luton and losing one nil, uh, they're just racking up poor results at the moment. Uh, how far have they slid now? They've slid down to eighth, which I'd say they'd be pretty disappointed with, given, given the way they started and how things were looking.
1: Yeah, so Newcastle down to eighth. Um, their recent results are so poor. They've lost one nil to Luton. They had a three one loss to to Nottingham Forest. They three nil loss to Everton. Four one loss to Spurs. Um, who were a bit, little bit injury riddled at the time, and they've only had yeah. the one win in there in the last five, which they, they dealt with Fulham pretty easily. Um, but a little bit of pressure may be building on Eddie Howe, a little bit of conversation around that. They've they've lost four of their last five games, three points from a possible 15. Um, and they now have Liverpool and Anfield, City at St. James's Park and Villa at Villa Park to come in the next three games. Um, there's three losable games there for this side. And... Who knows? We could be talking one of their last one of their last eight by the end of this run of fixtures.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, they've just got to fight. he's got to find a way to figure something out now and find a bit of a plan B slash plan C because it's just not working. I was listening to the the punditry after the game last night. They had Les Ferdinand on. Les Ferdinand saying they probably would be winning these these games like the Luton and the Forest game at home. He thinks it comes down to them being knocked out of Europe completely and just having a bit of a psychological kick to the head, um, just of the, the mental effects on this squad, having, you know, they built up Europe so much. It's what they were, they were gunning for last season. They got it. They came in. They had a crack at the Champions League and got knocked out. I, I think it's clutching at straws a little bit, but it could maybe have an effect.
1: Yeah, I think even if it does, mental toughness is all all relevant to performance and the performance hasn't been good enough. If you're going to be a Premier League footballer, you're going to face adversity on the park and you've got to be able to bounce back from it. I don't think it's an excuse to be to be losing four of their last five with the side that they've got.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for Forrest, I, I can't have we talked about Forest really, but much needed win for them. They were on a huge slide. I talked about them being unlucky against Bournemouth. And they've just been on a wild run of just, just dropping games. Ten losses now. They've only had the four wins. This is a big result. I know Everton are still to play, but Everton have got City this round. Um, and Luton have a game in hand on Forrest as well. They can both jump them, which would put Forrest in 18th in the relegation zone. But they they just desperately needed that three points to arrest that slide. Yeah,
1: no. Um, Like you said, their position on the table is... Is a little
0: bit worrying, but they're balancing and, and they might be okay. Absolutely. Uh Bournemouth 3, Fulham Neil. This game actually wasn't too bad. I remember we were looking at the fixtures and there's a lot of there was a lot of grumblings going on about Bournemouth, Fulham, and Luton v. Sheffield as the two 130 a.m. kickoffs here in here in God's Country, 130 a.m. Boxing Day fixtures. Um, but I was looking forward to this Bournemouth Fulham game. Fulham, you know, had that little green patch there where they scored 10 goals in a week and then they haven't scored a goal since and Bournemouth are just, they're actually genuinely good to watch right now and they were good to watch again overnight. Um, Our man Solanke got another one from the penalty spot, Sinistera on loan from Leeds got a nice goal and uh, the first goal was probably the pick of the bunch, not a great finish by Justin Clivert, but the assist from Alex Scott was excellent.
1: Yeah, um, our boy we spoke about his fall from grace, Justin Cliver at Bournemouth, but Maybe it's the place to be right now for attackers that are looking to rejuvenate their career a little bit because it seems to be going on for for Dom Solanke and maybe a little bit for Luis Sinistera as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, like you said, they've been good. Um, I think my disappointment for the the 130 fixtures was that there was two games between four teams you'd probably consider bottom half teams in this league on a day where growing up we we used to have 10 premier league fixtures on boxing day every yeah. single team used to play on boxing day and and now it's split across three days and it's re- just almost like a regular midweek fixture which we get enough of anyway with the amount yeah. like you spoke about last week the amount of football that's played around the world now we get these midweek fixtures where we get two three-day runs of of games it was almost like you were at the halfway point of the season. Like on the the 38th round, how every team plays at the same time. We got Boxing Day, we were at the halfway point of the season virtually and everyone was playing at the same time too. And, I, and I'm not sure if it's the nostalgia merchant in me or not, but I think it's pretty disappointing that we've gone away from that.
0: Yeah. Um. Does it go into – I feel like after this round it goes into a – no, it just goes straight into another whole bunch of games. I feel like there's an FA Cup round coming up somewhere. In between, I've got a feeling it's the 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 weekend of the what would it be like the seventh or eighth of January, something like that. There's an FA Cup round. So they're just stringing out all these games. It made it, we were trying to work out when to record this week, because just simply trying to cover last week's games. And then this week, we had the Boxing Day games. And then there's more to come. The games, obviously, we won't cover. There's Brentford Wolves, Chelsea Palace, Everton City, which will be a cracker. That's Thursday morning. Uh, and then Friday morning, Brighton Spurs and Arsenal West Ham, I think, will be a great game as well. But it would have been awesome just to have this feast of football on the one night, a big blockbuster. Boxing Day all nighter would have been excellent. Um, what? Where are we at with Fulham? Are they just they just had that one good week and they're just still? I guess they're just shit, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think they just potentially had a little bit of a purple patch and now they're just Fulham being mm. Fulham. I think they're not they're not bad enough to worry about relegation. I don't think, but I don't think not, so. No, not going to trouble anyone in terms of climbing into the ten.
0: No, it just seems bizarre that they could score ten goals in two games.
1: They're just one of those football teams that I won't be watching much from here on out because they will have no relevance to to a European fight, but they're yeah. probably also no relevance to a
0: relegation battle.
1: So a lot of their games are going to be potential dead rubbers. You might have to
0: watch them twice when they play Liverpool in those League Cup semifinals. Um, nice 6am wake up for those. Um, Sheffield 2, Luton 3, Luton uh, we, we probably need to give them some credit here. They've knocked off Newcastle at home now. They've got two wins in a row. They beat Sheffield. I don't know if you've seen the highlights of this game or watched any of it, but they got a lot of luck. They did get a lot of luck, but the point I want to make with Luton is I think they are doing so many things right. that they, They're doing the things that they can control right, and what I mean is they have such little quality in this squad. I, I, I mean no disrespect to Luton. I'm sure you do because you hate them for no reason, but they have such little quality in this squad but they're just playing with such a massive desire and hunger that keeps them in games where they're not getting they're not really getting blown away they're pushing they've pushed city they've pushed arsenal they've pushed liverpool and now they're getting results against teams down below them uh and they're they're, they're just climbing just a little getting a bit of a gap between them and burnley now and putting themselves in the mix with everton and forest and palace
1: yeah um i think the credit i have for luton is that this is a relegation caliber squad this is a 19th to 20th calibre squad but Absolutely. they're willing to do what they need to do to stay in the premier league and because essentially they are playing like they want to be in this league and a lot of teams come up and don't there's a lot of teams that come up and will fly back down because they're not willing to do that gritty dog work game in game out and yeah. and, and and just try and hang around um that's what Luton have done in these games against Newcastle and, and, and even in Sheffield is if you... And we saw it last night, Burnley, Burnley nearly pulled it off against Liverpool. They had a couple of opportunities to to equalise that didn't fall their way, but you get them by hanging around in games. And that's what these poorer sides have to do. They have to make sure that they're not out of these games by the 30th minute because it's a surefire way to go back down to the championship. If you can keep yourself in this game, obviously I had a 1-0 lead here throughout Alfie Dowdy. That they went 2-1 down with two goals inside eight minutes for Sheffield, Ollie McBurney and Ahmed Hozic for Sheffield scored and made it 2-1, but they just hung around and they kept getting the ball in areas to cause chaos. And like you yeah. said, a lot of luck, two own goals in four minutes, Jack Robinson and Anas Ben-Silmane, but they, you make your own luck in this league and, and in all football, yeah, I think you so too. your own luck. And it's just a credit to them for hanging around in the game and, you know, own goals don't go in if you're not putting the ball into dangerous areas or you're not creating chances for yourself. So I don't think you can take too much away from Luton here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on the same, like on the same note for Sheffield, it's, they're unlucky to have, like the two own goals they've conceded are pretty ridiculous, especially that winner. Like they're pretty ridiculous, but they're just conceding so many dangerous opportunities that it's, it's just bound to happen. Maybe on another day, those maybe don't go in or maybe one does and they get a draw out of it or something, but, um, They've got nine points in this league. I don't think they can be upset about bad luck in a game against Luton when, they're, when they've when they been performing the way they have been. Uh, just on Luton here as well, Sambi laconga on loan from Arsenal. Uh, there's been talk about him not... Because he hasn't really been playing. He's been injured and he's just came back. He started this game and they get a win. So that's good for him. I'm putting him in the pile with... Um, our mates, Ross Barkley, Dom Solanke, all the, the redemption arc. The got the goal against Everton. It's been a bit of a theme of ours th- for the last few weeks. And I'm going to keep it going now because Liverpool beat Burnley 2-0 and our boy Darwin got one. A nice one too. Yeah, this is a great goal from Darwin Yes. Um I think what frustrates people the most
1: is that he's capable of scoring goals like this, but it's the, Mm. I I wouldn't care if he put this one into Rosette, if he just started finding a way to consistently score from inside 10 yards,
0: six yard box. and
1: it'll. I've said to a million people and sounded like a fool to a million people. And I'll keep saying it is this guy has such incredible talent and just pace and physicality and his finishing is, is so good when it wants to be and that it'll, it'll come and you just have to keep, persisting with him. And you can see that with Jürgen Klopp. Jürgen Klopp is, regardless of his form, you know, he went 10 Premier League games without a goal before this one, Darwin Nunez, but Jürgen Klopp refused to take him out of the side. And I think, obviously, he went to the bench for our last game and Cody Gakpo started. And for as good as Cody Gakpo was, Liverpool are just better when there's chaos going forward. And I think they've been like that for six or seven years now under Jurgen Klopp is that when they've got the chaotic pace with it used to be Sadio Mane and, and now with Darwin Nunez, when they can really stretch teams and, and get at them on the counter or with pace is when they're the best.
0: Yeah. It looked like he also went back to more of that um when Liverpool was super successful when they had the the Firmino dropping in almost like an attacking midfielder. With the two wingers almost as two strikers, like very narrow up front, it looks it looked like that again overnight. Darwin Nunes and Salah coming right in, getting in amongst um, in amongst the danger on the inside channels. Um, I guess that's what you get without like we talked about it before, not having Diaz in the starting lineup. He feels like a bit more of a traditional wide winger, um, but Nunes has just uh, just so many weapons to his game. Another one, and this will be a, a sight for Liverpool and pretty scary for other teams, but. My man Diogo Jota is probably one of my favourite players to watch in the Premier League when he's on. He's back from injury, comes off the bench, scores a goal, just shows just that extra bit of composure and class in the box, but at such pace as well. Yeah, this is a great finish
1: from Jota for the goal. Um, Diaz almost m- mugged him up here and and put him really wide, but he, he managed to compose himself and find the gap between James Trafford's legs for, for Liverpool sealer. James Trafford just quickly was excellent in this game too. The games where I have come across Burnley, watching them whether for, for whatever purposes it's been for. Brighton <laughs> is the other one that stands out. The The Brighton-Burnley game, Trafford was excellent. But he's had a really good season, James Trafford. Um, but yeah, Jota is so good for Liverpool in terms of he's probably Liverpool's best finisher outside of Mohamed Salah. And sometimes in, in these games that to be champions, you, you must win. It's so important to have a guy with just that extra little bit of class that when things aren't going your way, he can turn a, a maybe moment into a definitely... And Diogo yep. Jota is that
0: guy for Liverpool. I feel like we've talked about Liverpool a lot in recent weeks, but I just find this squad so intriguing. But at the moment, I'm just looking in the midfield and um, Plopp doing a little bit of, bit more rotation on it, it seems. Is that fair to say? Is he doing a bit more rotation in that regard? Except um, I'm talking in terms of like Gravenberg, Elliott, Jones and Jobbeslay. uh But Wataru Endo seems to be like his mainstay at the moment. He's locked in midfielder that he's going to start every game. And I'd say aside from that Palace game where he was particularly bad in the first half, he's he's been excellent. Yeah,
1: well, and has been excellent for Liverpool. Um, he, he's he been so important for them. Um, he's gone at over a 90% pass completion rate in every one of his last five games and had over 15 tackles in every single one. So such an important player for Liverpool. And I think we saw earlier in the year that we struggle a little bit without a, a proper defensive midfielder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, last game from this morning: Man United three, Aston Villa two. Uh, speaking of the redemption arc, <laughs> Rasmus Hoyland. I don't know if you're as ex- excited about this one as I am, but this is another player that I think I wouldn't say I'm excited for him. I don't want United to do well ever, but I think this guy, similarly, similarly to Nunes, not not as impactful, but has been has been doing a lot right. And just hasn't been involved in the goals through, I guess, through maybe playing in a much shitter team. Um, but he gets a goal at the end to win it at Old Trafford. Maybe this is the start of something for Rasmus. Maybe. He's been he's been pretty good for a guy. That, like, I don't think he's been
1: as horrible as the stats show. For a guy that waited 15 games for a Premier League goal involvement, I think he's been... Who gets good. no
0: service. Yeah, he wor-
1: he works really hard. Um, and there was a bit of talk last night from the commentary team that this side, um, with Ericsson in the team and then bringing Rashford back in and switching Garnacho across the wings was almost set up to give Hoyland a little bit more success and a little bit more help. Yeah. Um, we've seen a run of starts in that 15 game period for Anthony, and and there doesn't seem to be much of a relationship between the way that Anthony plays his football and the way that Rasmus Hoyland, Rasmus Hoyland wants to play as well. Um. So I think this might be more of a lineup that we see going forward. I'm not so sure with Ericsson, but especially with with Rashford, who I thought was excellent last night for United and, and Alejandro Garnacho on the outsides of Rasmus Hoyland.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um for Villa, I think they're just I know they were 2-0 up at half time, but they they went 2-0 up from two set pieces. And aside from that, this is one of the one of the at the bottom end of the Unai Emery Villa performances, I think. They were very sloppy, very slow, and they were getting cut open a bit. I know Ganacho had another one that was disallowed where I don't know why he didn't just hold his run just to, just slightly to stay on side. Um, but they were, they were cut open pretty easily in that second half. And I think United, in this instance, they genuinely did probably deserve the three points at home.
1: Yeah, I think this is also one of the weaker Aston Villa lineups we've seen in recent weeks. Um, Pau Torres obviously missed their last game with injury, but was back on the bench for this game, or in the squad rather. Um, found himself on the bench. I thought they might have brought him straight back in, given that it was United at Old Trafford, and I don't think that Clement Longley was was that great for Villa in this game. So potentially they missed Pau Torres. Um, but yeah. Leander Dendonca got himself a goal from being in the right spot, but obviously isn't a, a mainstay in this Villa midfield. They missed... Nah. Bubakar Kamara, who was suspended for this game. But then Jacob Ramsey starts in place of Musa Diaby. And I know Musa Diaby's been a touch out of form, but I thought they were really good the other week against City in that win. And and in a couple games they've had where they've started with all three of Diaby, Bailey, and Watkins. And I just thought we might see that. And and instead they went with just Bailey and and Ramsey. And then Bailey actually came off when Diaby came on. So we never saw that front three together that's worked so well for them in the big games. And I just... Potentially a little bit of a selection mistake on Emery's behalf.
0: Yeah, potentially. A rare blip in um in their season at the moment. They I know they did they drop points last week as well, though, Villa. Yes, they drew one all with Sheffield. That was a pretty bad one at home. But they did have they obviously just had a big run. Um, I don't think anyone could really be shitting on them too much. We talked last week about the whole people were scoffing about whether or not they're actually in the title race. And you just got to give them credit where it's due. And at the moment they're still on. You know, they're on 39 points. They sit third. Um, they deserve to be there. But their last two weeks, I'm sure they would have... If you could get that three points from the Sheffield game, I'm sure I'm sure that would make it feel a lot better. But I don't think... It's, it's still going to Old Trafford and losing. Uh It's not a horrendous result. You know, they're still a big club, United, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, hopefully Villa can find that form again and stick around. I'm all for... Everyone just lifting and making it hard for City. Yeah, I think we're
1: all for it. I just think Villa are going to be a little bit disappointed in obviously going to Old Trafford and losing isn't isn't a disgrace by uh, any but means. But 2-0 up. 2-0 up at half yeah. time, they're going to be disappointed to come away
0: completely empty-handed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's all the games I've got at the moment. Uh, some great ones still to come this week. I don't know if you have, if you have anything else from around the world of football at the moment. No, we're pretty well on winter breaks. For It's a little bit too cold for all our all our other mm. European friends at the moment. Well, so Yeah, there is a round of, there was Syria on like the Friday, Saturday. They tried to get ahead of that a couple of days off before the Christmas break. And then they do have a round this weekend and then they go off for two weeks, I think. So um, some Syria this week that I'm looking forward to. But other than that, yeah, the Germans are on a break. Spain's on a break, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, just England, where Leeds are quite literally falling apart again, if you ask Tommy. So, um, <laughs> oh, no. yeah,
0: the real reason he's not here, he couldn't handle the um, Leeds. Leeds went off and pumped. We're well, Ipswich top. Uh, second, second behind second. Leicester. Yeah. And Leeds went and just absolutely pumped him and then have gone and lost to Preston. Uh, Melier, the goalkeeper, decided to slap someone in the face and get sent off and.
1: Yeah, yeah. Essentially, third place Leeds beat second place Ipswich. And then one match week later, Leeds are fourth behind Southampton as well now. So, how
0: Leeds is it, the old, uh, how a pretty is significant the significant drop? How is the Champo looking, as Tom would call it?
1: Yeah. Leicester, Leicester six points clear at the top now with that. they They should be even further clear. They'll feel a little bit. Hard done by. They did play a little bit of negative football from what I saw last night. Watched a little bit of their top-of-the-table clash with Ipswich, which ended in a one-all draw. Yeah, um, They they got the goal about 25 minutes in Leicester and then really sort of just sat back and let Ipswich have a majority of the attacking football. And, and it was an own goal in, I think, the 93rd minute that got Ipswich level. Um,
0: but but two games clear and 16 goals were, clear goal difference-wise for Leicester. You would just about lock them in, I think. They're going through it. They've scored... I think they've scored the equal most amount of goals, uh, but they've conceded the least. They're the only team that's conceded under 20, I think.
1: Yeah, so they've scored 48 goals. Yeah, they've conceded 17. Yeah, scored 48, conceded 17. So tied with Ipswich for 48 goals scored, but Ipswich have conceded 33.
0: Yeah, huge. Um, Lock them in. And then I guess a battle between, what have we got? Ipswich, Southampton, Leeds, West Brom. Sunderland aren't going to be there, I don't think. Are they? I don't know. They lost 3-0 to Hull last yeah, week. They're it was a little
1: the bit un- I mean, Hull only sit 7th as well, trying to come back into those, yeah. those playoff spots. I'm just not sure Sunderland are quite there yet. They're, they are a team that I'd enjoy being back in the Premier League more than potentially some of the others that we've seen yo yo in the recent years.
0: Yeah, I'm all for Ipswich. Let's bring Ipswich up. Haven't seen them. When would they have last been in the Premier League? Mm, late 90s. I feel like I remember them losing... Uh, Well, not remember, but I've seen the footage of them losing. I think they let in nine at Old Trafford once. But someone can Google that and check. Anyway, um, hope you enjoy your football. There's plenty still to come. We're going to record a Night Shift Red Edition now, so keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out on all the socials for all our activity. Get around it, share the content, like it. Tell your mates and listen to the pod. Enjoy your week. Beautiful. See you later.